Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0-Take, where we talk all things Major League Baseball. Here's Kyle Corwin and Nate Reyes. It all starts right now. Welcome back to the 3-0-Take, presented by Big League Chew. This is episode 299. I'll be your host, Kyle Corwin, and I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes, and the return of special guest, Ryan Ripkin. Ryan's a, a three-time guest now. I think that's the most Repeat. In, in podcast history. New Trifecta. Record. Congratulations, well, Ryan! You, you set the you set the record in the course of uh, about a month. So way ahead of schedule. You know what? It was everything I wanted and more. So I thank you guys for allowing me to have the threepeat. It is truly an honor and a pleasure to uh, be on with you guys again. You're well, a gentleman and a scholar. A <laughs> gentleman and a scholar. No sense in uh, dilly-dallying here. We have got a lot to talk about. And to be honest with you, I'm afraid we might not even have enough time to get through it all because, boy, oh, boy. Can I just start off by saying I told you to buckle up last week? And you know, it didn't disappoint, did it? Did my know, advice let you down in any way? See, multiple people have said that. They said, "Well, you asked for this." And let me just say as a Red Sox fan, and we won't we won't I won't blame you guys with this. I was just hoping when you said buckle up. And and I was right there with you too. I was like, I, "Let's let's give me a good 48 hours here." I was hoping maybe it would have been a little bit better for Boston, but I digress. It was good. No, it was not good. Actually, it was terrible. We'll get into that, but let's just start off right off the right off the top here. Let's go back to I believe it was Friday. Yes, yes, Friday. Yeah. Seattle Mariners acquiring Luis Castillo. Maybe some might even say stealing him from the Yankees. Some it was a swipe. Say. That was, that was a swipe. swipe or no swiping. Swipe or no swiping. They stepped right in. Quite the uh quite the surprise, I'll say. I don't think in in looking ahead to where we thought this move might land him, I don't think we had Seattle as a landing spot. I I, I think it's safe to say for a lot of people. I think so yeah, too. Yeah, I mean I, I didn't see it. I mean, I I saw maybe, you know, like 
Padres being in the mix, you know, the Dodgers are always in the conversation. Honestly, like we kind of didn't know which way the Red Sox were going to go. So like there was a few teams, but I I think it's like, it's obvious that the Yankees were like the, everyone thought that was going to happen. That was going to be the landing spot. And I think the asking price is a little too high. And it was a big, I mean, they got a haul, dude. The Reds got back what they, what they were hoping for. They, they they certainly did. I will say though, I I'm pretty ecstatic that the Mariners just hopped on in at this time. I think we've been talking about them as a team that's been gaining momentum. I even remember this last year that I think they got criticized by some of their players about they thought that they were making a run and then they made a trade and they felt that they weren't behind or that the players I think were saying that the GM wasn't behind them. And I get it. It's a business. Everyone makes decisions. But to see the Mariners come in when no one expected them to come in and take the best pitcher on the market at the time is really cool. And it's also saying about where the Mariners direction is right now. They believe that they are in position to make a playoff push. And then once you're in, as we know, anything can happen. What a what a novel concept being in in position to maybe get into the postseason <laughs> and going out and making a move it's wild i, I it, it must be nice for if, if you're in <laughs> seattle it really must be nice uh but the return nate as you alluded to the return they got from cincinnati they got shortstop and i'm i'm just always wrong with names noel v Marte, shortstop edwin arroyo right-hander it it sounded good right it sounded good smart. Uh, right-handed pitcher Levi Stout and right-handed pitcher Andrew Moore. So three top five prospects for one guy. For a year and change. Not bad. That's pretty good. Good for the Reds. Uh, the Yankees, as I mentioned, um, weren't able to get their guy. Nate, I know you were... Uh, hoping that they would, I think you were quoted as saying last episode, Kesty or bust. Yeah. Uh, didn't quite pan yeah. out that way. But I think they went out, safe to say, they went out and got the the next best option. They got Frankie Matas, and they added on Lou Trevino. Yeah. Which yeah. was quite the addition. I, I mean, I, I've kept like reading over the past few years that Yankees have been high on Trevino and I had a feeling that the A's just kind of wanted to package them together. Um, but I, I, I just, the Yankees weren't willing to budge on those top prospects. Like they weren't willing to budge on those names. We knew Volpe those, was not going to be included. Okay. I was going to say, for those listening, yeah. share with us these top prospects. Well, I mean, you got Anthony Volpe, who looks like a future stud at short. Jason Dominguez, I'm sure you've heard that name before. Um, and uh, Austin Wells really bright future at the catching spot so it's just like if that's what the reds were wanting it's just it it wasn't going to happen and i think the only only possible way any one of those top five guys were going was with somebody named juan soto so i think what was smart is that like the mariners probably came in early on friday expecting this kind of late surge for a lot of names and I think they just came in and said, "Here, here, here's your asking price. Let's do it right now." And it, I don't, I, I bet it didn't give the chance for a lot of other teams to respond. And I think it caught a lot of people off guard. And it was smart. But 
Frankie Montas is, uh, I mean, that's a good plan B, I think, in my mind. I feel happy with it. I think you should. I mean, the Yankees, it's it's not the 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 dynamite pick that everyone wanted, but the Yankees went out and, and they tried to bolster their team. They tried to uh, add depth to their, their pitching staff, and you didn't get the prize, but if you're a Yankees fan, you made some adjustments, and now you are still in the driver's seat in the American League East, and you still will, so... You got to be happy. I mean, it's a good time to be a Yankees fan, right? Nate, maybe not right at this moment if, if they're losing tonight. But uh, other than that, it's it's an exciting time. They're in a great position. Still looking over my shoulder. I'm trying to see. But yeah, he's got no, he's, he's to double check. It must be nice having to wait. Do, do we lose? I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> Unreal. Uh, no, it feels good. And this was this was just smart stuff. Brian Cashman kind of look uh, overall. I think if if you give a GM a grade, I feel like Brian Cashman has got to be up there with probably the best trade deadline moves. One top five prospect was moved, and a lot of holes were plugged between adding to the starting rotation adding another piece to the bullpen and yet another piece to the, uh, to the bullpen with Scott Efris. I don't think I'm Come familiar. On. Which, which prospect was the, the top five? Uh, was the, it was, uh, I was like, it's, I can't pronounce it. It starts with a W. It's like a long. Waldachuk? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That's it. He was at yeah. five, I think. Left-hander. He, he was our fifth guy. Ken Waldachuk. Yeah, nasty, for sure. I remember watching him in spring training. Kids a stud, but. The, the way they navigated this, I'm super happy. Super thrilled. How about this uh, Bader move? That one was the only one that kind of was interesting. I think what they're trying to do, I don't, I don't think they want to have Aaron Judge playing center field down the stretch. Like, I, I just, I don't see it throughout August and September moving it's forward. It's just not smart. It's not smart. It's, it's not. really not. Like, you've made it this far without any any hiccups, any speed bumps. So, it's like, let's not push the envelope. They've pretty much locked down the AL East. So, let him, you know, mix in in center field, but stick to right. And I think you're going to see Stanton probably go back to full-time DH for the rest of the way out once he's back. I mean, right now, if the Yanks were just going to close on that, you're making the point. There's one guy, if you usually think, well, you know, it's a pitcher in this case. A starting pitcher is really a, a big blow if you have an ace that goes down. And we talked about before with Chris Sale, Dick Jacob DeGrom's now coming back. For the Yankees, it's Aaron Judge. He is the catalyst of that team. Is that fair to say? He's doing pretty Probably. well. I For think, sure. uh, you know, I th he's literally, it's like everything he touches with his bat makes contact. It's like, it's the Midas touch. He is, he is on fire and the Yankees are confident that they can win any game when he is in the lineup without him in the lineup. That's a whole different squad. It's just not worth the risk. I agree. You mentioned, sorry, a little little segue here, a little tangent. You mentioned Jacob DeGrom. I just want to go on record as saying that Jacob DeGrom returns. We're talking about it in the fantasy group chat. <laughs> Jacob DeGrom returns, 
and the Mets apparently just forget how to score runs and win baseball games. So I'm not saying this is the beginning of the end, but just keep this date. Keep August 2nd in the back of your mind. How many games the, did they win before, the weeks? before this? We don't need to talk about that. We okay. just need to talk about. <laughs> we I just forget. need to talk I, about. Thank you, yeah. Ryan. I appreciate people that. forget. I, I, they were yeah. struggling. I think they won seven in a row, so they were they were having a tough go. Um, yeah. Like I said, they they had a good run. Now that their guy is back, where the Mets are back to doing Mets things. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, a team that maybe was possibly in the mix for a a one Juan Soto the New York Mets did not get him as we all know San Diego making the move of the deadline I mean without a doubt they get Juan Soto and Josh Bell and I think for me the biggest there's a lot of people saying this and I I couldn't help but agree I think the biggest win even beyond getting those two guys was you did not I'm, – I'm a little confused here on, on Washington's behalf, but they didn't have to bring on Patrick Corbin's contract. And for me, that's a huge win. And, look, you can say, well, it's Padres. They're going to throw money around. So if they had to do it, they, they had to do it. But they didn't have to do it. That's the key. And you <laughs> – I mean, you you give up you give up a couple couple big names, but that's what you're gonna have to do for a for a Juan Soto. But I mean, good for the Padres, man. Just they did the thing. How do you feel about the return, though? Like genuinely, with the names attached, do you feel like the I know the Nats are never gonna recover a future Hall of Famer at 23 years old. You're just you're not. It, it's not what you're gonna replace. And I don't think we can tell right away, but based off of the current status of the level of those guys, where the draft picks were, where they're ranked in the Padres system, and now the national system, do you feel like it was a good job? Well, I don't think you can isolate this particular trade and say, well, did the Nationals get fleeced or not? I think you have to look at the 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 bigger picture here and look at the trades from last year when they started this whole rebuild or well, I mean I'm sure they started beforehand but you want to look at the guys they they let go last year you're talking sure. Scherzer you're talking Trey Turner was the return for those moves worth it you combine the return for from those moves with the return with the with this move is is all of that as a whole enough to get the get the wheels turning if you're the Nationals in this in this rebuilding process. That's the way I'm looking at it. People are saying, "Well, the Nationals got fleeced or the Nationals actually did pretty well." I'm looking at it more as the last 2 year or I guess the last year from from this deadline to last have they done enough to to get the wheels turning? And I don't really know I don't know. I I really don't know where to stand on that. I think it's going to be to be determined, but I will say we are all in agreement. The Nationals now have come to the realization that we are moving into the post-Soto world, and he was the final domino to fall. I know Josh Bell, but to be honest, I thought Josh Bell was going to get moved regardless if Soto did, because maybe there was going to hold out hope you know, before, obviously, everything. He turned down the deal, but you never know. The business happens. Someone could come back and you could talk. Bell was going to go. Soto was the final the piece that you were holding on to. 
the Nationals here, they are in a big market. It will be interesting to see. We know they're not afraid to spend money, but it's going to take them now a little time, especially in a more competitive American or National League East to get back to it. And I think that they came to terms with when, and how I look at it too, when Steven Strasburg's injuries started to, to count up after they won the World Series, and he was going to be the guy that you held on to, especially with when Scherzer left this past year. Now you're looking yourself in the mirror. But I mean, I look, they got a lot of guys back, and that's the beauty of it. You really don't know. You can, you can look on paper and go, I don't know if it's going to work out, or I'm super excited. But until the time comes where they get to play in the majors and prove themselves, we're going to find out if the do- or if the Nationals made some great trades or it's just going to be um, a lot of sorrow that they let such a great player go. Which goes back to my original point. You go with what you know. It's not worth the risk of hanging on to what you don't know. If you're the Padres, you see a guy in Juan Soto and Josh Bell, for that matter, where you're like, okay, two stars that can absolutely make this team a much greater threat immediately upon arrival. And they're saying, you know what? We've got some some pieces here that hold some potential value, even some, some would say, current value. Mackenzie Gore, for the most part, has had a, has had a, a great rookie year with some ups and downs, of course, thrown in there, but all things considered, a solid year. C.J. Abrams, another guy. CJ, like, he just he, he didn't make sense in the Padres' he, plans. Yeah, he, he didn't. No. But it's like that's that's a guy where you're looking at him going, who time will tell. Who knows? But I've I've just never been in the camp of holding on to those guys and saying, eh, no. Like the Cardinals, we'll, we'll get into the Cardinals. The Cardinals were in the running for this, but they didn't want to give up Dylan Carlson. And I'm like, is Dylan Carlson really going to be the reason that you yeah. that keeps you from going after Juan Soto? Hey, Kyle, let me ask well, you a question real quick. Sorry, sorry, Nate. I'm just curious here. Because, again, if you're doing a rental for Soto, if you trade for him, your hope is you're going to keep him. Or you're that. The Padres are all in. They are fully I, all in. They want to win. But my point is, is... Are you willing to give up if you know that Soto's gonna be moved? And as time goes on, and the reason why I say this, when it came the time that everyone knew Manny Machado was leaving Baltimore, and the years went by and it went to his final year, and they knew he was gone, and teams were gonna try to bid against each other, but it wasn't, you know, with Soto, there's still team control. I mean, do you I think the Nationals, if they really didn't think they were gonna sign him, they had to make the move. No, and and I, I'm not I'm not necessarily addressing these comments towards Washington. It's more so just the conversation surrounding the league and who made moves and who didn't. But I was I was pinpointing Soto because it's an example of a guy that can make an immediate impact. He's a star. He's going to go out there and help you win ball games. And it comes down to whether these teams are willing to go after a guy like that. And I tip my cap to the Padres for being the team that did that. The the Cardinals, I think there for a minute were actually rumored to be the front runner. And then all of a sudden the Padres uh, sneak up, I guess at a second place in that race and, and uh, become the immediate favorites and they go out and snag him. But I don't know. I mean, Soto's not exactly a, a pure rental. He's got, he's what, uh, free agent in 2025 
Yeah, so two more years after this. Yeah, so right? I mean... Well, that's what I meant just by if the years go by, it does a devalue. But as we see, if you want a guy, you go and get a guy. And so I just was well, curious. And I think that's that conversation that you're, the GM probably has to have with the ownership of saying, okay, if we are going to make these moves, if we're going to give up this amount of haul in, in these prospects for them, do you feel ready to potentially offer that extension? Do you feel like we can go after this over the next few years? Maybe the Cardinals weren't. Maybe those are the other teams saying, okay, well, I mean, are we going to potentially damage our next decade? And I understand, yes, you don't know if all these prospects are going to pan out, but are we going to damage the next decade and say, here's five or six guys with the question mark of saying, well, we better get it done in these three years because I don't think we're going to re-sign them. I think that's the that's the number. That's where it limits the amount of teams that are going to say, okay, we are going to be okay having that conversation over the next few years of trying to extend them. I don't see how the Padres can afford it. I don't know how you can use literally 45% of your payroll on three guys. doesn't make any it, sense to me. Is that what it is? It's probably going to end up being that way if he's in anywhere in that $500 million range. Uh, uh, let's do the let's do the quick money. math. They got well, you, what is it? Three thirty, three forty. Machado, Machado, well, Machado's even at three. Yeah, Tatis and then Tatis is, Tatis a little is bit more. three forty. I think. I think right? so. Yeah. Might be. You just extended Musgrove. That's true. Yeah, that's another. Because so he was what, you 100, just say hundred mil. Four guys are going to make up half your payroll. You're talking one hundred and twenty million dollars a year in four guys. And look, I I just want to go on record as saying I'm not against that. I I'm very much in the camp of I would rather see these these teams open up the checkbook and pay to bring these guys in. I don't I don't want to see these organizations playing poor and saying, well, I don't necessarily. And I get it. They're, like you yeah, said, yeah. But when you, you start creeping have... into the Angels conversation, when do you start yeah. getting your yourself pigeonholed to that point? Well, that's I think what that... I think is scary. But what what's nice is that the, the Padres legitimately can look over the next two years, and if if they don't have the feeling where they can make this legitimate run, if they're not, you know, they get to the point this at this point a year and a half, two years from now, and saying we're fifteen games back from the Dodgers, we're not in the hunt for it. Look who you can sell. If you're not going to extend Soto, you can sell on him again, and you could still kind of keep that rebuild a little bit slower or a little bit quicker, I should say, where you could just say, all right, well, we're not going to extend him. We'll ship him out somewhere else. And he's only 25 and it's not going to be near this hall, but it's going to be a lot of people saying, okay, we'll, we'll give you four or five guys for him. That's so funny to me that it, cause I know it, we know this, but you just realize it's like, oh man, you know, you wait a couple of years. He's 25, 26. He's going to already be 25. Like, he's going to have a foot that, out the door every, already. He, he was 19 when he debuted, I believe. It, that's it's crazy. Can we? It, I know we just talked about Soto, but can I just want to touch a little bit on a player that we hadn't talked about as much in this trade for them, and that's Josh Hader. You know, they brought the Padres, yeah. brought him in. Like, I don't want to diminish the Soto move. Obviously, we know what he's doing, but you just went and got arguably the one of the best, if not the best, closer, a lefty that is one of the harder at bats to face. Um, did I did I read correctly 
the Padres got the National League saves leader in return for the second most saves. Is that correct? Taylor Rogers. Him and, him and Rogers were like, I looked up the numbers and I was like, awfully this close. Was real similar. Yeah, real similar. So it's almost, to me, it's almost more of like a. I mean, not to think of everything in terms of fantasy baseball, but it's almost like a, a an appearance thing where it's like, yeah, you can look at Taylor Rogers. Okay, you dig a little deeper, you see the numbers. But if you bring on Josh Hader, you you just know. Like you're looking at your your roster and you're like, okay, all right, that that's we're good there. They went after star yeah. power. They went after full star power, and Hader is the star power out of the pen. It's no knock. That's no knock to to Rogers. That's just I think we can agree. If we're going to talk about two names, whether you are if you're following baseball or not, most people are going to go with with Hader. Well, what are yeah. the Brewers doing? What is that about? Like what? What's the deal there? What do you- so the Brewers get Taylor Rogers, Denelson Lamette, uh, Robert Gasser. I'm just going to assume that's how you say it. Gasser sure. Gasser. Yeah. I don't know French, maybe I don't know. And then Esturi Riez, Ru, Ruiz. Sorry, Ru, what did I say? Riez. You're Ruiz. crushing it. <laughs> You're doing great. Once, once I, it just snowballs, man. Once I mess up one, you might as well just chalk up the others as else. I just don't understand why why it needed to happen. And I think you send like this really mixed signal to your to your clubhouse. Well, speaking of that, you, I, I'm sure you saw the clip of. Uh, Devin, Devin Williams. Williams, he was he was like, "What are we doing?" And I, it's, and I, it's just odd. I love I love those raw reactions when they go. I mean, props to the reporters for getting up in these guys' grills and being like, "Hey, how do you how do you feel about this right now in the moment?" And he was like, yeah. "Dude, I, 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 what are we what are we doing?" Basically, like I'm paraphrasing, but he was basically just like, "What are, what are we doing?" And you could you could apply that that line of thinking or that response rather to, to a couple teams around the league where it's like, yeah, that it doesn't make any sense. And I don't think there's any level of analytics or, uh, insider knowledge to where you could really justify something like that. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't, I, I don't know. But if Lamette lives up to the hype, you add him into that rotation within the next few years, Burns, yeah. Woodruff, Flower, Lamet. It's almost like that's interesting. It is it's almost like regardless how hate how well Hater does, if Lamet lives up to that and Taylor Rogers continues to 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 pitch well, it's like do the Brewers just win that trade by default? I, I don't under Well this trade's confusing to me. The, you know, this is the crazy thing, especially with, with these two GMs. You know, can't speak on it but just being if we're just going to look at it from as what we can as outsiders outsiders perspective the Padres are all in the chips are all in this is this has to be the year or it has to be in the next year or two this trade these trades that they made if they don't people lose their jobs that's what's going to happen Milwaukee it's going to be on the similar thing if these trades don't work out and Milwaukee's been a first place team and the team starts to, or, you know, a contending team, um, people will, will lose their jobs if they lose it. But if it can be on the flip side, these are things that can be monumental changes in an organization. It's either going to keep you 
keep you on the upswing or it could, um, I don't know what humbles the wrong term, but you guys understand what I mean. It can really uh, sink you. That's a better word. Well, I think it can, it when you look at the Padres, you. like this, it's it's obvious Preller is comfortable doing this. You look at basically the projected starting lineup once Tatis gets back. Everyone was traded for. None of those guys were homegrown. You're talking the Padres. Yeah. Yeah, can we can we talk about that real quick? Can we look at the projected? Nobody's uh, homegrown. Can we, can we look at this lineup real quick? We got uh, obviously when healthy, we'll have Tatis leading off. Well, this is just a, a projected lineup; it could be any which way. But we got Tatis playing short, Juan Soto in right, Manny Machado at third, Josh Bell at first, Jake Cronenworth at second, Jerickson Profar in left, Brandon Jury is your DH. Uh, you got a combo of Alfaro and Nola behind the dish and Trent Grisham in center. It's absurd. I think that's do pretty we, good. The, the question that was floating around today, do we think this is a better lineup than what they have over in L.A.? I'm still taking the Dodgers. For those for those uh, curious at home, we've got Mookie Betts in right. We've got Freddie Freeman at first, Trey Turner at short, Will Smith behind the dish, Justin Turner at DH, Max Muncie at third, Cody Bellinger in center, Gavin Lux at second, and the newly acquired Joey Gallo in left. Also got to add in Chris Taylor to that conversation when he comes sure. back. Yeah, I mean, both of these teams will have, have yeah. a little bit of bench depth. but Yeah. Uh... It's tough because if you go like position by position, it, you feel like it's kind of a wash. Like you feel like Mookie and Soto could potentially be a wash. Freddie, I'm going to take over Josh Bell. Sure. Trey, Trey Turner and Tatis, potentially a wash. Machado is probably the only one that I give the edge to because obviously Max Muncy is a shell of himself this year. Uh, Will Smith got to give him the edge behind the plate so it's like it's give and take and then i guess we just we go down to i know you only brought up lineup but we go down to rotation isn't it pretty fascinating right now that I just as we're doing all this i just looked you guys are aware how many games la is up right now in the analyst not a, a half. nobody in padre padre country cares Oh no! No one cares, but I mean, I think <laughs> I, I think, but I think people still need to keep in mind the Padres have felt like the punching. I don't want to say they they haven't been a punching bag in that sense, but they felt like yeah. the little brother to the yeah. Giants and the Dodgers, and the Giants with with their ways of of getting value, bringing guys in that maybe others didn't see or it didn't work out, and then they were finding ways. I know they're they're kind of obviously having an up and down year, but then there's the Dodgers too. So you just feel like they're the they're the, you know, they're the, uh, the term, like they're, they're the middle child. They're not getting a lot of attention, but they also can't, they haven't been able to hold their own. It's a lot of smoke, um, but not a lot of results. Dodgers 11 and a half up and are, are they the best team in baseball right now? Record wise. I think winning percentage NL. wise, NL wise. They're, they're, I think, uh, I think checking it, the Yankees got to 70 wins. Um, they're 69 and 33. I think win percentage wise, they are. Yeah. I just heard on the broadcast tonight. I think winning percentage they are. Yeah. 667 for the uh, Yankees and 
six seventy six for the Dodgers. I mean that Dodgers are for real, and they have been, and that's going to be a, a consistent challenge for the Padres and every other team in the NL that is going to try to uh, to make a run. Let's. Uh, you guys got any other thoughts on this this trade? Nah. I like it. This is good for baseball. It sort of belongs in a Absolutely. in a market like this. We look, we we've been robbed of Trout out of the postseason. We're going to be robbed this year of Otani out of the postseason. We need a superstar in it and and once Tatis gets back, it's like star this power. is 100% must watch baseball. Like you look have the, to watch. Look at the electricity this dude brought in 2019. Yeah. Flexing on Bregman with the bat drop down the first baseline. This yeah. kid was what at that at that age or at that year he was twenty. Uh, twenty. <laughs> like what are we? Oh my god! I need I need Soto in the postseason. Bad. It's coming. Real bad. Well, let's hope. You would hate to see. You would hate to see a second half collapse like last year. Yeah. What they finished seventy nine wins last year. <laughs> I think they're on the up and up. You got Tatis coming back. They just got to get in. They got to get in. Also, Josh Bell is going to provide some protection to Manny Machado in that lineup, and that's going to help. Yeah, you're you at this point moving forward. You are going to see what Juan Soto can really do. Now that he has protection, you are going to guarantee it. Write it down. You are going to see. And a smaller ballpark to deal with in right field. You know, we talked about how defensive metrics are down this year for Soto, and it's it's not exactly good. He's below average in the outfield this year. I think this helps manage that a little bit. And Trent Grisham can can go get him with the best, so it's like, you know, it's going to be better for him defensively it. as well. Let's uh, Let's switch gears here. Let's talk about a guy that, Let's be honest. I think is, despite heading to one of the best teams in baseball, I think is quite possibly a little depressed after the news uh, from the last 24 hours, and that's Trey Mancini getting sent to Houston. All I'm going to say is is I saw the picture that they that the Astros tweeted out of him and him in the new threads and all that. <laughs> My man did not look happy. Yeah. And I don't know if that's like an old Orioles picture that they just like photoshopped the jersey on. Yeah, I or can whatever. never tell. I can never tell. It looked real. So it's like maybe they just hustled him to like the little photo studio. I don't know. But either way, I'm just like, even if it is an old photo, it's just it it's it's interesting that that's the photo that they use because it, he just doesn't look happy. And I think the people that are probably close to him, they're probably getting that same vibe. He I don't know. He, I feel like part of his heart is still in Baltimore right now. I'll turn this over to the Prince of Baltimore over there. All you, Ryan. The Prince of Baltimore. You are too kind. <laughs> Couldn't be further from the truth. Um, Coming to you live from the Inner Harbor. Ryan. Live <laughs> from actually in the harbor. Um, he so, literally um, had crabs literally, tonight. <laughs> crabs, and then I swan dove into the harbor. 
And don't ever do that. If you come to if if you come to Baltimore, do do not jump in the inner harbor. Dirty uh, water. He's recording on a yacht. <laughs> well, one could wish. Uh, currently in a uh, little room with, but I do got the crabs behind me. Obviously, I see you. Shout I see out you. Maryland. Um, love me some steam crabs. Having some on Sunday, but let's get back to a little bit of baseball and Trey Mancini. Trey. It's a bittersweet moment, and it goes beyond just baseball because, well, one, if we're going to start off, Trey has spent nine years at the organization, but uh, if you hear his interview and him going through um, his his fight with cancer and that scare and that the um, staff there, the training staff, he credits them for being a big reason why he's still alive today. And so it's such a bigger meaning than just baseball. And, you know, I'm, you know, I can only imagine going through that. You know, we all know what happened. I will say it was, it's sad to see him go for the sense of how the team was playing them this year. Let's get into the baseball part. But if we're talking about what's best for Trey moving forward, he's going to have a chance to win a ring. So this is the sweet part. The bitter part was you're leaving a team that's you went through the dog days the last few years. The sweet part is you're going to see these players that you left. They're going to grow. The leadership's going to go in Baltimore. You're going to hand it off, and you you set a great example. And now you go. You're going to play at a hitter-friendly ballpark on one of the best teams in baseball, and you're going to have a legit chance to chase after a World Series ring especially coming off a couple years where you thought you didn't know if you'd ever play again or if you would still have a chance to be living. So I Trey's got to have a lot of emotions. You know, obviously I could touch in it so you guys can can go in, but I will say um I I am a Trey fan and I would love to see him uh go and win a title this year. If it's not going to be Baltimore, it would be amazing for it to be the Astros for Trey the the idealist or the the dreamer in me along those same lines would have loved to have seen it happen in Baltimore and I know I know people are saying really Baltimore if we go back a few weeks I was kind of throwing out the joke of you know maybe the O's could be in the sweepstakes for Soto who knows maybe they could be one of those teams that sneaks in there at, at the end and and just swipes them out from from the grasp of these uh, these top dogs, but I just would have loved to have seen a guy like that. And and I feel like there's, I feel like a lot of teams have a guy like that where you just want to see them succeed. You want them more so than other guys on the team, whether it be a story or just the longevity, uh, the amount of time they've been with the club and the the struggles they've had to endure. But Trey is one of those guys that I just would have loved to have seen, even if. A World Series, yeah, maybe a pipe dream, but just a little bit more success with the O's because w- when a guy sticks around to to play ball for a team in the pit like that, you would just love to be able to see him like at the top of a mountain, if not for just a little bit. And it sucks because I feel like Baltimore is so close, and we've talked about this before at length. I, ju- I just feel like they're so close, and then they're just like, yeah, well – here's where we part ways and that's tough and I feel like for him as as much as he may 
express his gratitude for for what Baltimore's done, and I'm sure it's completely genuine. It's got to hurt a little bit. Like I'm sure he understands that it's a business and all that. Like most of these guys do, but that's got to hurt a little oh, extra because dude. It's like we're so close. Vin Scully just passed away. Oh no! Oh wow! Ninety-four. What a day! Wow. It's not how you want to cap off the day, unfortunately. What a what an iconic figure in 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 the sports world, specifically in the baseball world. Jeez, man! Uh, wow, we're just in a pretty somber part of the conversation as is that's uh that's tough that's not good um well as far as as, yeah go ahead as far as mancini goes i think um as obviously emotion is high uh i was gonna say remove emotion from it i i mean it 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 just makes sense it makes sense for the orioles we already talked about it last week ryan mountcastle is the guy uh, you talk about, you know, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, Santander, like, you know, and, and I feel like the torch is kind of being passed to Adley. This was really well front office run moves. And, you know, with Jorge Lopez being shipped out as well, this Batista kid looks ridiculous. It feels like he's going to slide into the closer role. No problem. So it's like, a lot of it made sense as much as Mancini was that, you know, Mr. Oriole for this time, this era. Uh, it, it just, it, it makes sense. It's, it's doesn't, he doesn't have room in the plans, you know, and you don't want him to, I would hate to see him plug a spot and, and block other guys to create this new era entrance and then he starts to, you know, fans start to feel differently about him. This guy is riding off into the sunset as well as you're going to remember him as an Oriole. And I think that's a good thing. And as you touched on, who knows if he's going to be a part of that picture two or three years from now when the Orioles are really trying to make their run towards something. So this is the moment for him. This is what is good for him. And it's good for the Orioles as much as it doesn't feel great. They said they wouldn't close the door on him coming back. I still find it unrealistic, but if you're uh, a romantic in baseball, and I think a lot of us are romantics deep down, you know, Trey Mancini's, I think, first hit in Camden Yards is a home run, and his last hit was a inside-the-park home run off of Josh Lowe's uh, face. So yeah. can't really make that up. That was odd. What a So odd, but then a standing ovation, you get the applause – um, you know, you can't make that up. And that's what's what's so beautiful about the game. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I, um, the Orioles made some moves and didn't make some moves that I thought they wouldn't. Yeah. And then the Twins uh, were were pretty active. Uh, I thought that was a great get. That was a the great Twins pickup. Yeah. Going after Jorge Lopez. What um, was his? Did he have control moving forward? I didn't look it up. Um, I'm not exactly certain on that one. Um, but just a background for people that are wondering with Jorge Lopez, you know, he had bounced around a little bit and the, or he came to the Orioles as a starter and has having trouble. And so obviously they moved him to the pen then, and he's had this great year. So if the Orioles case, uh, 
you're you sell them to a team that wants to win right now, thinks they can win the AL Central. It's a great flip. It's a great business deal. Again, he's beloved in the locker room, but the Twins went out and bolstered a guy that has found a renewed confidence. And yeah. uh, for the Orioles, I think it's great. And we talked about Felix Batista. I played with him last year. That kid's gross. Um, it's like a 98, 99, 100-mile-an-hour bowling ball coming in, and then, oh, you're ready for that? Well, here's this 91-mile-an-hour splitter that just dies. Yeah. So they, they got it. I think it's a great opportunity for Batista and an amazing opportunity for Jorge Lopez to continue to revitalize, uh, revive his career. That's what I mean. I think it's just it was smart moves by the Orioles. It was they had a surplus, and they made they made the smart decision. I'm I'm like I'm genuinely impressed with them being able to pull those triggers. Well, you know, since you're you're really impressed, Kyle, um, we're talking about being impressed. Uh, Boston. Oh, okay. So Ryan's just gonna pull pull the trigger here and just and a, transition. Just a, Oh, a little dagger right to the right to the, the back. I, I thought, oh, that was wrong segment. <laughs> oh yeah. Are we, are I we just getting thought into we're talking whoops. about the American. Are we getting into the winners and losers segment already? Um, look, Boston, Heim, what, what are we doing? Like that's that for as long as we've been doing this podcast. That's been my that's been my line. That's been my question. What are we doing? I, I, I don't understand how you're just going to ship off. I'm not going to say the captain. He's not the captain. But you take Xander Bogarts out of the lineup, Christian Vasquez is the guy that moves that team. He's the guy that's going to pull you aside and tell you what, what needs to be said. That's the guy that's going to be pointing fingers where fingers need to be pointed. And he's the guy that runs that rotation. And they will tell you that. I I watch this guy every night. or I had been watching this guy every night. And there's just a different way that this guy carries himself from catchers that I've seen around the league. And I know this is like a minor thing, but when I think of Christian Vasquez and Nate, I know I, I've texted you this on a, a couple occasions when I've seen it happen or when it, when it plays out. But when there's a guy who hits a, it's a, there's a foul tip, Catches part of the umpire. I have never seen a, a catcher move as quickly as Christian Vasquez does to try to support the umpire, to help him up, to keep him up if if he's, you know, if he's shaken up a little bit. And like I said, I know it sounds silly, but there's something about that that really speaks volumes to me about the type of guy that Christian Vasquez is, not just as a baseball player, but just as a as a guy, as a dude. And you're gonna take that and say, well, we we feel that we may be better off in in the future by shipping him off. And then you, you keep, you hold on to the other trade pieces. Yeah. Like we knew Vasquez was on the table and I was okay with that. And I don't, I don't remember if I mentioned it last episode, but I was kind of resigned to the fact that we were losing Vasquez. We were losing JD and we we're losing the We lost one of those three and it just doesn't make any sense to me. And, and it goes of back. Those it goes three. Probably the least amount return. You know what I mean? The I feel like the other two would probably oh, bring yeah, back a sure. bigger, Absolutely. bigger package. Absolutely. And it goes back to that that thing I said earlier where the the confusion 
that you're you're sensing from a lot of these guys in these in these interviews when these reporters are going up to him say, "Well, how do you feel about this trade? How do you feel about the direction of your club?" And these guys are like, "I have no idea. Like, what is going on?" And I feel like that's probably how they feel with the with the Red Sox right now in that in that uh, clubhouse. They're going, "We kept JD." We kept Yavaldi because apparently the asking price was too high. And now we're expected to go out and win ball games and, and possibly get back into the race without Christian Vasquez. Oh, by the way, we got Tommy Pham, who to me does nothing, which you're going to go on record as saying right now, I'm not going to root for that guy for a single, single inning, single at bat this season. If he goes out and does well, great. If he goes out and hits a walk-off home run in the postseason, great. I I I wrote this guy off, and I'm sorry. Like people say, well, yeah. you can give him a second chance. No, nah. he he's <laughs> he's, he's put his me. foot in his mouth way too many times, and the that whole fantasy saga, too. Like I'm sorry, too much. And the, the, the jokes aside, what really did it for me was the whole get my numbers yeah. up thing. That yeah. that just tells me all I need to know about Tommy Pham, and so I, I'm not thrilled. And the crazy part about it was, and we we're uh, we we're joking about it today. It's like, well, the Red Sox had to get Tommy Pham, but at least we'll avoid bringing on Eric Hosmer to the club. And then you get the notification. Oh, by the way, Eric Hosmer is your new first baseman. So, wasn't exactly a great day for me. I'll just say that much. <sighs> Can I I'm ask not, a question? I'm not in a good good space. But yeah, Can what I do you got? A- Okay. Um, that was all uh, a lot of emotion. <laughs> and I am on the positive train right now. So I want to ask you, the Red Sox, then they held on to some guys. They didn't move the pieces. I just checked right now. They beat the Astros again tonight. They've won three in a row. I know they're at 500. Do you have any faith right now that this Boston team believes that they can make a run. I tell you what, I saw a look in Alex Cora's eye last night when I was watching the game and there was, I don't know what it was, but dude looks like a man on a mission. And I think he, I'm sure he has a great relationship with Heim Bloom, but I think he took the last, the last few days very personally. And he said, you know, the type of manager I am, you know what I'm capable of doing. You know what these guys on this field are capable of doing. And you're not gonna you're not gonna buy in. You're not gonna help us out. You're not gonna bring us reinforcements. We've got reinforcements coming, but it's a matter of health on that front. In terms of giving these guys a spark, you're not gonna go out. You're, you're gonna do nothing. And people say, "Well, you we got Eric Hosmer. You fill a hole at first base." We got Eric Hosmer because Eric Hosmer said he didn't want to go to Washington. So to sit there and try to convince me that we went out and got our guy and we filled yeah. a hole, we got yeah. a we got a guy by accident. Yeah. The Red Sox filled a hole by accident. So I'm look, I, I've been a big high supporter. It's gotta be clubhouse versus versus front office at this point. And, and that and to answer your question, Ryan, that's that's where I'm at. I I believe in this team. I believe in the the grit of, of that clubhouse, and I believe that they can they can pull something off if they if they really want to. I agree. With with or without reinforcements, because we saw it last year. They're yeah. two wins away from a World Series. People can laugh right there, but well, I, and I think the other thing is is that you got to look at who you're competing against. I think 
we could safely say two of the three spots are most likely going to Mariners and Jays. So that third spot, the Red Sox are probably saying we're competing against with the Orioles, the Guardians, and the White Sox. I think that's who you're looking at and saying, how do we match up against those three teams? Can we beat those three teams and get to this third spot? Yeah, but even even then, I don't think you can safely give those two spots away. Because the, so the, Mariner, the Mariners are up a game, and the Blue Jays are up four games. And we have, what, a little under 60 games left? Sure. The, and I think the Blue games. Jays are real. I think the Blue Jays sure. roster is better than all those teams I named. And you're talking about a Mariners team that was a buyer at the deadline. So I, that I feel pretty strongly about those two teams getting in. But either way, I think if you're the Red Sox, you could just say, look who we're competing against. We know how to beat the Orioles, right? We know them. And the Guardians did nothing. Then everyone's kind of expecting the, the ball to drop there eventually. And the White Sox, I mean, they're asleep at the wheel. That's obvious. So Quite literally. Shout yeah. out Tony LaRusso. I don't know why I don't know what that was. Like Tony, it's I, the first inning, dude. Grab a coffee. I as much as I want to bury it on you at this point, as much as I want to make you feel bad for what has transpired over the last week, please do. I do genuinely feel like it is silly and naive to count out Cora. Because I've seen what that guy is capable of with his players. Look at this positivity train, by the way. Like they're just going hey. off. This has got they got a Yanks fan, and look, just, it, it, positive train. Everyone's on board, Kyle. Everyone's look, on board. I, if if I sit here and talk about it long enough, I'll get fired up, and I'll con- I'll have you all convinced that we're winning the World Series. But I'm not. <laughs> I'm not there yet. I'm I think just, losing Christian Vasquez is bad. That's such a big blow. Like that's I, bad. I, I don't I, understand it. If I you're gonna sell, the- sell. I, I want to touch on a point because you guys brought this up is that when you feel a frustration between you feel like there's tension between a front office and the uh, the players and the, and the staff. And in some of those cases, it's it's a real thing. It exists. But that sometimes can be the best thing, depending on how people respond to it. And like you're saying, Cora is has done a his track record. He's done a tremendous job of being able to rally a team. If a team can rally behind their manager and their guys can come be closer, it's going to be interesting. It really is going to be. And I was just, just checking it again. I mean, the Red Sox, you're right there. I mean, you're only it's three and a half games back from the Mariners. Look, to, well, talk to, to me re- about the outfield. What's what's up there? Dude, I don't want to. T- <laughs> you said talk JBJ, to me about it. I don't want to talk to you about it. I- JBJ, Verdugo. Duran, Fam, Kike when he gets back. I like I said, dude, the the Fam move makes I'm no so sense. I'm so confused. Me. It doesn't make any sense to me. Do, for what it's worth, I'm not counting on Kike coming back necessarily and making any impact if he comes back at all. There's been I've heard even rumors swirling around about him maybe just like just don't even count on Kike coming back. I don't know if that's the case, but even if he does, I don't know how much of an impact he'll make when he comes back. But even then, I Fam just doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry. He just doesn't do it for me. And to At bring all. this thing full circle, Heim Bloom, I've been I've I've defended that guy. I have not because I, I was like, just just wait and see. He has a vision. And like I said, last year, two wins from a World Series. I'm gonna say that unless that replicates itself, 
I'm going to look more on last year. I'm going to look back on that as, as a more fluke. of a fluke. Yeah. Because you can't just you can't just do this every year and and hope that it works and hope that these guys overachieve. It's it's not going to work. At some point, you need to be the Boston Red Sox and pay these guys and or go out and make moves at the deadline because you're the Boston Red Sox. But we decided to lay low, ship off our ship off our our cat our catcher and bring in a couple guys that for all intents and purposes, aren't going to make much of a difference. So I don't know what to think. I'm going to go on record here real quick before we switch. And the accident that happened with the trade, I'm going to say Eric Hosmer thrives with Boston. I'm a team Hosmer guy. I'm going to be honest. I I am too, because I just looked up his stats again. He's hitting over 270. Obviously, the power has never been the big part of his game. He's got eight home runs. He plays tremendous first base. He is going to... He is an upgrade on the team, and I bet after all of this, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder coming to Fenway. I do, too. I do, too. Uh, the best accident that happened to the Red Sox this season. Just, I'm a Team just... Hosmer guy. Mark they, it. Look, I was listening to the broadcast tonight. They were asking Kevin Millar's thoughts, and he was like, you know, it. he's a he's a ball player, and he's, and he's going to be the type of guy that fits into that Boston mold, and I, I don't necessarily disagree. I'm just saying – when you look at it, that you know, it just, you're, you're right. That was an accident. That it just that didn't do it for me. That wasn't something that they were going and doing on, on purpose. It was and it fell in the, their lap. For the record, I don't even feel like we talked about this, but the whole Eric Hosmer declining to go to DC. Anybody that's getting on this guy's case for potentially holding up the Soto trade, I agree. Bro, what are you doing? Who in the right mind? Uh, if you're one of those people. Simple question: Would you leave San Diego for anything? Your job? Uh, Man, I think he's got a baby on the way or a newborn, like one of yeah. the two. For family, for a new house, would anybody leave San Diego to go to DC? Trust me, Ryan and I are pretty much right here. It's nothing to write home about. It's <laughs> a nice city. It's a nice city, but if you've ever been to San Diego, most people don't want to come back. Ooh. That's uh, yeah. That's the reality. <laughs> we can say what we want about DC, but when you put San Diego yeah. in the same conversation, that that's where that's where the conversation ends. And he uh, earned the right. And he earned the right to have that part of his contract negotiated with. So and it's absolutely, like you can't fault you can't fault that. That's at all. written in the contract. That's just yeah. how how baseball plays itself out. Nate, tell us about Big League Chew here first. Before I'll tell him about uh, the boys. These, these had the swag. Had the Look swag today. Had the drip out today. Big League Chew, BLC. I wonder one day I'm going to be able to do this without having to read it. Probably not. It's pretty long. I got some, Founded by I former got left-handed pitcher Rob Chew Nelson. Here. Oh, wait. Side note. You watched I, Nate, it. I promise you I, I promised you I was going to watch it this weekend, The Batter Bastards of Baseball, and I watched yeah. it. It was fantastic. It's good, Highly right? Recommend. Highly yeah. recommend. Anyway, did you get it on that, Ryan? Yeah. I have yeah. not yet, Netflix. so that, that's my homework. That's Netflix. It's good. Watch it. It's only about an hour and a half. Nothing crazy. It's good, though. It. I literally left watching that documentary thinking that I just hate Major League Baseball. I'm like, let's I know. scrap the whole league. Let's go I all know. independent baseball across the country. This yeah. is way better. Way also, better. Don't want to get ahead of myself, but I give I get like big time Savannah banana vibes. Uh, yes. I like was thinking recreated. the same thing. They're like yeah, no, you'll you'll see, Ryan. You'll see. They're like there'll never yeah. be another uh I'm like I, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. Savannah Bananas are up there. Yeah, that's anyway, pretty dope. Continue. 
Founded by former left-handed pitcher Rob Nelson, Big League Chew started from humble beginnings in the Portland Mavericks bullpen in 1977. For more than 40 years, the iconic pouches packed with shredded flavorful bubble gum has become the number one shredded gum of athletes everywhere. Big League Chew has sold more than 900 million pouches and is designated as the Hall of Fame bubble gum. Grab some gum to head Big League Chew's social media channels at Big League Chew on Twitter at Big League Chew a gum on Instagram to show off your Big League bubbles. You can also find a list of retailers or purchase any of their products directly from their website at BigLeagueChew.com. BLC. Big League Chew. No doubt you can you can memorize that. Ah, it's tough. There's a couple tongue twisters in there for me that I just I don't do well with. If you said like the first few words of the Seek <sighs> ad read and got me going, if you took it away from me after that, I could probably finish it off. It's to just, be fair, that's like three years running on that. That's so. true. Uh, that's pretty much been like the, the yeah. duration of the podcast. Um, for the sake of time, let's let's move through these remaining ones a little little quicker. Um, I think we touched on the Cardinals a little bit and whether they did enough, whether they didn't do enough. Uh, Jose Quintana. Thumbs up. Had a good year. If you look at the numbers, he's he looks pretty good. And actually, someone compared his numbers to Frankie Montas, and they were like almost identical this year. Solid so, pickup. Solid yeah. pickup. I look. I'm a fan, but like I just said, not enough. Did the Cardinals do enough? No. Like, I both the teams in the Central at the top are confusing me. So I. Yeah, but Jordan Montgomery, uh, uh, I I guess uh, okay addition. I that whole move was really just kind of weird for me. I feel like Bader was was kind of like a fan favorite in St. Louis, so I don't fully understand. Yeah, I don't know. I, going back to the Bader thing real quick, I don't know if Bader really fits into the New York vibe. He. Or the Yankees he's from vibe, New York, I though. Say. Is he? Because he just he's from the he, Bronx. He looks like they're gonna ask him to do things that he's just not gonna want to do because he's he's kind of he's got this this little. I bit won't of, I won't go at this too long, but I think it was Dan Plesac or Al Leiter, one of the two on MLB Network today, and they said that these teams that are adding these types of pieces at this moment are thinking of those scenarios in the postseason. Who's going to come off the bench for a big pinch hit? Who's going to go in as a pinch runner and steal a bag when we need it? Who's going to go make a ridiculous play in the outfield when we need it? I like that. And I'm excited with what Bader is going to bring. And I don't know. I kind of like the new, like Ben Benintendi doesn't, you don't really see that as like a normal fit either so it's like I, I like that this is it's a switch up it's refreshing things are doing things that they don't typically do it's nice um let's look at Atlanta picking up Jake Odorizzi uh I mean in addition to a couple other guys they got uh Rysel Iglesias they got Robbie Grossman overall how do we feel about the reigning champs feel good I yeah I didn't think I thought we talked about um I think it was maybe last week about where the Braves and obviously having uh, an injury would they make some moves um the the Braves are on a roll right now. The Braves are playing with confidence. I think whoever they're bolstering was just going to help them. 
but it looks like no matter what, Atlanta's in a good position. Um, and that's really from the 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 culture and the and what they've built up. They believe they can win, and since they've already done it, why not believe that you can go and win it again? My thing and with it the was Braves underrated though, moves last year too that very ended much. up being a, a really big part of the run. So, mm-hmm. but my question with the Braves is like, why? What's what's up with their new their new trend of just like cycling through? big time relievers like when what are you just going to settle in on like why do you need why did you ship off will smith why did you bring in kenley jansen why are you picking up rysel glacius look it just i'm not i'm not i mean they obviously know what they're doing far more than i i can understand it but it just from the outside i just don't i think they were from what i have heard they're definitely done like they were over will smith um, they were very much over that. So, Rysel, I think, does have another two years left on the on the contract as well, doesn't he? Didn't he sign a three year deal with the the Angels in the offseason? I think it was four. Four. Yeah. I, I like it. I like it. Yeah, and they the, just signed him like, extension this year, and then they're like, "Yeah, no." We'll and see I it. think you also do something for that clubhouse by making one of your moves extending. Austin Riley for the next decade. Like you just said, hey, we're not going to make big splash in the, in the trade deadline. We're going to add a couple things to plug some holes, but I'm going to boost you up with this signing. This is this is it's just I'm sorry. Anthopolis is like got to be the the greatest GM to ever come through Atlanta forever. I'm sorry. It's just he's a stud. He knows exactly what he's doing. And that whole core is like locked down for like seventy mil a year. The Aussie Albies, forever. The the Albies deal getting done earlier. I don't know That's when it comes up. Robbery, right? That's so just like ridiculous. Yeah, it is. But now think about it. You got you 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 have Albies. You have um, Olson locked down. You have Riley locked down. Cunha, Cunha locked. I mean, you you have you have your pieces in place, and now. The Braves and they're young too, so the Braves are ready to roll. They're ready to. They the Braves are trying to get back to what they did in the '90s, and yeah, but I in see this it. case, but they want to obviously uh, their goal is to bring home more championships. But if you're looking at what they have right now, whether or not the Braves can repeat, it would it would be a cool storyline. But I think the next five years we're going to be talking that the Braves are going to be ready to compete for a championship each and every year. Man, Ryan with a ricochet to the '90s Braves. How about that? Didn't, didn't expect I mean, that. I, I'm, I'm, I'd like to consider myself, um, you know, cultured and all that. Yeah, I might have just been a, a, a wee little guy with blonde hair and adorable, but I, uh, I, do, I did appreciate the runs that happened in the '90s. Yankees had a good run, maybe not so much for the Red Sox, but um, yeah, I want to get into that. It's all right. The Red Sox have made up for it. I think it's safe to say. We don't need to bring this up because Nate's going to get upset because I, I bring uh, up too many it good always points. falls back. Hey, on speaking, of, speaking of the Yankees, uh, we touched on it just a little bit ago. Uh, Joey Gallo, unloading Joey Gallo. How about that? How um, do we feel about shipping him off to LA? Do we think, to, for, Nate, I'll, I'll defer to you on this, but from my point of view, I'm looking at a guy who just didn't 
did not it just didn't work in the New York market. And then there's people thinking, well, it'll be a fresh start in the in the LA market. That line of thinking just doesn't make yeah. sense to me. I genuinely wholeheartedly felt horrible yeah. for Joey Gallo because he was a great teammate. You saw that he was a good teammate. He answered all questions respectfully to the media. He never lost his cool. He never saw the guy. I mean, I know we say like we'd like to see some emotion out of guys sometimes, but you didn't see him blow up in the dugout. Um, and and you know, I I was just reading the the quotes today of you know this morning or yesterday about you know how he can't leave his apartment and you know he's not he's not wanting to walk around in the city and it's just like you know I think yes obviously you know there's boundaries as as a fan like you you, you can't cross that boundary you got to remember these are human beings but at the same time Joey Gallo will be officially the worst Yankee of all time. And that's not an exaggeration for his stretch for the 480 something at bats. He was the worst Yankee of all time. And we're talking about a fan base. And Michael K said this before the game, we're talking about a fan base that booed Giancarlo Stanton in his first game as a Yankee. So it's like it, if you think that Gallo was an exception to that, it's not the case. This is the way it is there. And this is the way it is most likely in LA as well. And maybe a new hitting coach or something is going to get him to to change his ways and, and try something new. But it's like, I really, I really genuinely hope he succeeds elsewhere. I just, it doesn't make sense to me to go to another big market. This guy needs to go off the radar and go play for like the Royals or like just somebody that's not getting the the viewership because they're going on a playoff run. And you're back to the same boat as a fourth outfielder who's not going to get enough ABs to find some consistent bat-to-ball skills. It shows you how bad he was this year with how good the Yankees have been. With that success not being able to cover up the stench of how yeah. poor he's he's been at the dish. That's I feel bad for the guy. I really it's, do. It's tough. Yeah, you you never like you you never like. Uh, for me, I never want to see a Yankee succeed, but at the same time, you also never you don't want to wish something like that on a guy. Like that's that no. that goes beyond baseball. As a man. baseball like player, you, as a baseball get, player, you don't ever wish that on no, somebody. That, like well, that, look, mess, look at, that messes with your mind. We've we've all been around the game, you know, and understand how challenging and difficult playing the game is. And even when you are considered the best of the best and playing in the major leagues, those guys are going to struggle. And I've said this in the in the past about you know winning's contagious, losing's contagious. Your confidence can it can confidence or lack of confidence can be contagious. And it it was so evident that Gallo lost all of his confidence. He has no belief in himself, and as a as a person, and especially as a player, for me, I can relate to that. It is a miserable experience. I think we all can relate to that and resonate with that. The only thing I'll say with this, I do believe smaller market might be better for him in the long term, but the breath of fresh air going somewhere else. And I believe now you're going to the Dodgers where the pressure is still going to be off in the sense of they're not asking him to come in to be a guy. Yeah. He, true. he, 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 he could be a situational player. Yeah. Try to get your head right. And then it only takes one thing to click here and there. He doesn't have to go to LA 
and be what he what they expected him to be when they when the Yankees traded for him from Texas. True. So the, True. the pressure's off on him, and I hope the best for him uh, moving forward. Yeah. My I mean, last I, two small things on this for Gallo. Number one, the fact that Brian Cashman turned this into a a fifth a, the 15th ranked prospect in the Dodgers organization now the 10th in the Yankees is insane. That kid has a apparently a 60 rating fastball coming in so it's like that is a big deal. That's highly impressive considering everyone was like just DFA him. We're not getting anything in return. To get that is amazing. Um and I forgot my second thing, so you go. I was just going to say <laughs> I I may have to disagree with the the pressure point. Because I don't think the reason Joey Gallo is struggling is because of a whether or not he has pressure to be a team's savior or to be a team's big bopper. I think Joey Gallo is struggling, <clears throat> excuse me, because of the pressure of the amount of eyeballs that he has on him, and that's why I'm yeah. saying I, you go back to the whole LA thing. It's like he mm-hmm. it clearly didn't work in New York, so. I don't know. Maybe I'm in the in the minority here. I, it just doesn't connect for me that there's a thought that he could maybe figure it out in L.A. Because yeah, there's just the same, if not more, attention yeah. on that lineup out there. I I don't know, but I do remember my second thing. By the way, if if it happens, if the Yankees do win this year. And there's some type of ring ceremony, and he revisits Yankee Stadium next year for whatever team he's playing for. I do feel like there will be a bit of an ovation, as a, as as somewhat of like a you know what, dude, good for you for being a true pro. And this guy was a true professional through and through, despite the struggles. So I'm I, I genuinely feel for the guy, and I do hope he finds success elsewhere, even if it is for the Dodgers. I know I just said all that stuff about the attention and and the bigger markets and all that, but you got me kind of thinking now that I wish we would have gotten Joey Gallo because like <laughs> the just a little spark. I don't know. It there's just something there. That, no, you need another outfitter. Compared to it makes Tommy sense. Fam, compared to Tommy Fam, I'll take freaking Joey Gallo ten times out of ten. I don't care. But I don't know. I mean, like you said, Ryan, wishing him the best of luck in the future. I uh, hopefully hopefully he figures it out. Ball player to ball player. Hopefully he figures it out. Yeah. Um, the, the twins, did we already touch on the twins? I know we just mentioned Jorge Lopez. Yeah, we got Jorge. Bro, the twins kind of a, kind of a sneaky good deadline. Yeah. Jorge Lopez. You got Tyler Maley, uh, Michael Fulmer, like, yeah. Good for the twins. I think they're winners. I think there are winners at the deadline that that people aren't talking about because they didn't make the the big big splashes, but they got better. They got better today and right before the deadline. Yeah, uh, probably a bit of an overpay for for Maley overall. Three top fifteen prospects, but you got to do what you got to do. Agree. They needed help. They like they were desperate in the pitching department. I feel like they were probably in on Castillo probably in on Montas at certain points in the last week or so. So it's like, this was probably the next best thing they could do. Um, my last thing on the reds is just the fact that they, I think they won. I mean, we're talking seven, 
top 15 oh, prospects absolutely. in yeah. return for all their moves. That excellent job on the Reds. Yeah. Yeah, they And we they don't know came what up. came back with with Fam, right? No. We don't know not, that return. As of yet. right now, the, so well, could I have in my notes here, TBD. Yeah. Um Yeah, Reds absolute winners. They identified they they looked themselves. I mean, not that it it took very much, but they looked themselves in the mirror and said, "This is where we're at. Mm-hmm. This is what we need to do." They went out and did it. And, you know, props to the Reds for like like I said, you you hate to see teams in positions like that. Like you want to see teams competing. You want to see teams acquiring. You never yeah. want to see teams selling as opposed to buying. But when you're in a position like this, and I say that from a perspective, of, like if you're a Reds fan, like it sucks, but you have to yeah. just take the dose of reality and say, this is good. This is good. It's, it's going to be a yeah. minute. So let's just get what we can while we can. This is good. And they did it and they didn't have, they didn't have a foot in a foot out. Not that they're in, in, necessarily contingent for a race but the, it wasn't like well let's hang on to some fan favorites or something they're just like no take these pieces yeah. let's get a haul and let's hit the reset button so good for the reds and um, then the uh i mean uh the one last thing i'll say about mally was i think i heard amsinger say on mlb network he's got like a he had like a four and change era in cincy but outside of cincy he was low under three so you're, you're going to minnesota the bigger ballpark bigger outfielder bigger outfield with Byron Buxton roaming around. I mean, I bet I see some success for Mally coming forward. Good, good deal for both teams. Yeah. They were both winners today Win-win. for what they had to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy, I don't think we touched on Whit Merrifield getting shipped to Toronto. And I know Nate, you said you're a little confused by it. This is actually a guy for me and I'll let you expand on it. Nate, but before we get to that, I just want to say, I think for Whit Merrifield, I think a change of scenery will do this guy some good in terms of a fit. You guys may feel differently about it, about how it plays from a a bigger picture perspective. But I think just being able to break free from the, the concentrate, because he's been, he's been in the rumor mill for the last few seasons, I think, or at least the last couple, if I recall, so for him to just be able to break free from that kind of, kind of, I don't want to say clean his hands of his time in Kansas City because he obviously enjoyed it, he loves the city, but to be able to kind of close that chapter and start, start this new one with a, a team that's very much in the hunt, that I I think that'll at least at least this year I think that might help him because it's it's no mystery he's having a down year for his standards so I think as I was saying I think for him this might be a good thing. I still see where, like, what. First off, Royals. This should have happened last year. You waited too long. Now he had a down year, and now you didn't get the return you should have deserved for a guy like that. Well, that begs the question: Did did anyone in the American League Central do anything applause worthy at this deadline? Outside of the Twins, like, just I don't see outside the Twins. Oh right, I'm saying beyond like after them because yeah. we just talked about them. They're winners, but like I, I will, White I will Sox. Say, what are we doing? Yeah. Well, the White the White Sox. I'll say with this, the White Sox were decimated with a ton of injuries early on. They they've been trying to find their lineup. That's always felt like you know, and obviously Tony La Russa's gotten more um, 
publicity, but not for the reasons for that you want to be, whether it's talking about what, you know, like Nate right there waking up or, you know, the intentional walk with, you know, um, in that situation, like all those little things are being brought up instead of with the White Sox. Now the White Sox did have a tougher, uh, first half schedule, but I think talent wise, they are the most talented team in the AL central. So I didn't think they needed to make a ton of moves. Um, Cleveland, I don't really know, but they're they're finding ways to win. Um, but to go with wit, you know, change of scenery does a lot for a player. When you're playing for a team that you know where their direction's going, it is hard when you know you're not playing for something bigger than you're keeping your job and trying to just win games while you can. It weighs on you. I don't care what anybody says. When they say you understand it's a rebuild. You know, and I'm just looking back and I can go with the Orioles when you're looking at guys and going, everyone expects us to not play well. And you saw how bad the Orioles were. And to see like what Cedric Mullins did last year, like that's a rare thing. The team was playing that bad and Cedric played that well. Like Witt's been playing so well for so long. So great get for the Blue Jays. Might not be the right fit, what you th- might think, Nate, but of Blue Jays got of what Blue Jays got better. Of what they needed, why Witt Merrifield? I don't I don't understand the Blue Jays where I don't understand the decision making there of the holes if they you're have the Blue Jays, why, why him it's well it's possible because he if I recall he was one of the notifications we got after 6 p.m. so it's very it, it's it's very likely that the Blue Jays things fell through for them they weren't the highest bidder on on certain guys they they couldn't meet these asking asking prices it's very it's I won't say it's likely it's possible that they got to the end of the road of this deadline and said, is there a way we can at least acquire somebody that like Ryan, you just said that will make us at least better. Like that, that we can look back on and say, we got better today. And maybe what, cause I mean, there was a list and it kept dwindling down as the day went on, but there was a list of guys where it's like, all right, expect these names to go like JD Martinez was on that list. Expect these names to, to be on the move. Whit Merrifield was on that dwindling list, and when it got down to the very end, I think he was one of the last ones, and maybe they just felt he was the best fit for them, and they wanted to at least have sign their yeah. name on the. I'm day. a Whit fan. Know. I think he's going to succeed wherever yeah. he goes, wherever he plays. I just, right. I didn't, it didn't make sense to me for the Blue Jays, but we'll see. We will see. Uh, moving right along here, for the sake of time, let's look at the Phillies real quick. Noah Syndergaard and Brandon Marsh. They needed a center fielder. I know, I know uh, Syndergaard was anxiously awaiting the news of something. I think he was anticipating it. He tweeted the John Travolta gif, which wild move. Fiasco that guy is crazy, kinda, dude. Like, enough I, with the man the buns and the, the – the, the, the guy's too much. Um, David Robertson yeah. as well, right? Back, back yes. to Philly. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I was – down here on my back notes. Philly, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave Robertson back to Philly. Um, when was he with Philly? I'm forgetting. Just uh, he's this is last year, I think, or this season was his first time with the Cubs. I think last year he was with the Phillies, wasn't he? For the year mm-hmm. before, I'll do a quick. I'll do a quick check while we're going here. Yeah, um, might as well. I think they DFA Duval Herrera as well, so they needed a center fielder. That makes 2019. 2019 okay. was in Philly. There you go. Okay. So I mean, look, if you're the Phillies, you needed to you need to fill a couple holes. 
not the greatest names. I, I know they were in the market for some bigger names. They had their names attached to some guys. You you kind of settle with this. David Robertson, I think, is a good pick. I do too. And like you said, Nate, they needed a center fielder. Noah Syndergaard, I feel like, is just a wild card. You you never really know what you're going to get with that. Pretty guy. good year. It's just so. Yeah. I mean, I would have liked we, we. I feel like that we come back to the Phillies every year, where it's like you need to just take that extra step if you want to. If you want to get in, this is what Dan. And I would have loved to have Dombrowski seen something. does though, right? He just he depletes your farm, and he and he and you get you've one hand tied behind your back every deadline. Well, Dem- Davey does better in the off season when he can open his checkbook. Sure. That's where he, that's where he thrives in terms of being able to bring in noteworthy names. I'd, I'd have to go back and look at his history at the trade deadline. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on moves he made uh, before getting to Philly, but he, yes, he is known for depleting the farm system, but I mean, they, for the across those three moves, gave up Mickey Mickey Moniak, Logan O'Hop, and Ben Brown. Um. So, and it looks like there's actually more going to the Angels as a part of that uh, Thor deal. I feel but, like Ian Happ would have made the most sense there, but I'm yeah, sure that I mean, I'm sure the price is even, a little high. Yeah, we don't have time to get into the Cubs, but. I know no clubhouse yeah. where, you, where guys are looking around going, what, like, why? Yeah. You had Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ convinced they Crying, were hugging each other the, last week on hug watch. And then you got Wilson Contreras running out of the dugout tonight, fist pumping because he's staying with the Cubs, which I'm sure he's happy about, but it's just it's all weird. Like big picture. Why? Like what? I don't know. Um, We got a couple others, but for the sake of time, let's wrap up with Brett Phillips. I know we talked about the O's already, but. I think this is a good guy to end on. Brett Phillips getting the, the opportunity with another club. Uh, the O's picking him up. Rays get cash considerations after uh, DFA and him. I think that took the, the baseball world by surprise. Kind of just sent shockwaves. This is everybody's favorite guy. So it's good good to see. You know, you lose a feel-good story. And you, you you gain a feel good story, and I feel I feel like if there was any club to pick up Brett Phillips, especially with the the kind of magic they got going on right now, I think I I, I really like this fit. I really do. I do too. I I mean, as far as we're talking about, you lose good clubhouse guys and leadership, and you know Brett Phillips definitely had that vibe and fit that in Tampa, and also he's a classy guy. I mean he. Um, guys that get, you know, DFA'd, uh, you can be a little bit more emotional and be a little bit more angry or disappointed. And I'm sure he probably had some disappointment, but he had all love for the Rays. He brings a positive energy. I think I, I, I haven't heard anyone say anything negative about the guy. And I think that is a tremendous trait to have, not just as a ball player, but as a human being. So props to props to him and, and, uh, Looking forward to his next uh, chapter with Baltimore. Yeah, I love that guy. There's nothing you can say bad about him. Not a single thing. Just and he, you're right. He's gonna fit right in with that clubhouse. He's having fun right now. They're laughing. They're smiling. They're busting all out all over the field. It's the yeah. He's gonna fit perfectly. And you know the Rays. You got to do what you got to do. You had to make room for Peralta. It's all business at the end of the day. Yeah. It's always a business. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Give me your 
top loser and top winner at the deadline. Let's go ahead and take the Padres out of it. I think that's that's uh, that's obviously everyone's answer. You get you get a generational talent. Let's let's remove the Padres from the equation. Who is your winner and and who is your loser? Let's go loser first. Rockies, the only team in the league, the only team in the entire league to not make a move. What are you doing? I don't understand. Once again, you're just unplugged. The I I. It makes no sense to me. They're horribly, horribly run franchise. Jose Iglesias is having a good year. That definitely could have, should have brought you back something. I don't get it. Um, you know, I don't know if this is. I would say it was a loser. It's maybe more disappointing. Um, Detroit in general, is not what everyone was anticipating going into the season. They thought they'd make a jump, haven't made a jump, and now you're going into this trade deadline or now that it's passed and you made some splashes in free agency. I just don't know what direction this team has because you feel like there, there's some pieces there and you're not. So, I, you know, by, for that reason, I would say being losers because I just don't know where Detroit is standing as they're moving forward. I give them credit on Fulmer and, and Grossman, I do, though. I do, too. And I think they I got screwed I, with Scooble because he had arm issues this week. I think he would have been gone, too, if he was healthy. I agree. I think it's more so of you feel like the, that the Tigers have, are, have been consistently in this build for the last few years. Yeah. That's where my mind goes, is that you felt like you, you wanted to see what the— I thought what the Orioles did this year, I thought the Tigers were going to do. Yeah, that's fair. And so that that's where I feel that— the, the mentality is you still don't feel like you're ready to take that step. By you, KC. Look, I I just want to clarify. I'm not going to list them as my top, but just the way they hurt my heart, I feel like I got to go O's. And I know that contradicts what you guys talked about, but I mm-hmm. would have loved to have seen them go a little more in. I won't say all in. I know if you're the O's, you got to be cautious with, you got to really tread lightly here with where you're at. But just knowing that our our guy, Greg Amsinger was talking about on MLB network. There's no guarantee that you're going to see this, this opportunity in the next few mm-hmm. years or however long you want to extrapolate it out. There's no guarantee. You would think so with, with where they're at, who they got coming up. You would think so, but there's no guarantee. You're it's, it's, you're at the trade deadline and you're not in last place and you're in the race, you're in the hunt. And I just would have loved to have seen them do a little more than what they did. Brett Phillips just doesn't do it for me. And you offload your all-star closer. Yeah. I I don't know. I just would have loved to have seen them do a little something to try to return to that, that postseason magic that we need from Baltimore. It's been too long. I, I just need it. Um, who do we got for biggest winner? Well, I guess I'll lead this one off. Um, I'm going to go with, you know, I'm actually going to just go with New York. You know, I don't, and I know that's your team, Nate, but I, I just think New York, they didn't try to do too much. They are in a good position. They're playing well. They're saying we're going to add some pieces, but we have everything we need 
to make a run. And as long as Aaron Judge is in the lineup and we have some other pieces around, we're going to find a way to be right in it, right in it at the end. Um, and hopefully for Yankees fans, Nate, that you guys are in the World Series. I, I mean, the bias aside, I can't. I mean, I look like it's just, you look at the names. They only lose one top five prospect when we thought a bunch of names were gone in the in the farm, and they plug every hole. They replace they replace Gallo. They replace Michael King going down. Um, I mean, you replace Severino getting hurt. It's just they made a lot of smart moves and they plugged holes. And I think them not buying Soto maybe sends a message to Judge that says we will commit to you, hopefully. But I gotta I gotta agree. I'm gonna go ahead and uh fall right in line here. I'm three go, for three. Go Let's go. I mean, it's again clarifying for people who may have missed my qualifier. Outside of we're, Padres, we're going of course. outside of San Diego. Yeah. Who's our, I got one more two after after you guys want to like do a one B. One. Who's B. your one B? Houston. Yeah, I liked what Houston did. They brought in Vasquez. They brought in Mancini. Uh, they made some moves. They bolstered their team. And I think both. I, since I just brought up those guys, I think Vasquez and Mancini are going to thrive playing in Houston. I think that's a good move. And people, if you're still sleeping on Houston, wake up. They are right there, and they are going to be in it as well with the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, bad offensive numbers from first base with Yuli Gurriel this year. Bad offensive with Maldonado uh, and company at, behind the dish. I mean, it's just they plugged holes, and it's like uh, and and Odorizzi was a surplus for the rotation. It, genius. So not a to solid mention, one if beat. you're the Astros bringing in a guy that nobody can dislike, that's. That That's true. For, that does a lot for your culture and, and PR department. Optics. All right, gentlemen. Uh, I feel like we need to circle back on this Vin Scully thing real quick before we get out of here. Just some closing closing thoughts on the man, the myth, the legend. How, how we feel about Vin Scully? Uh, tough, you know, and I think uh, just just what he lived through across these generations. And I think, you know, whether you hate or love the Dodgers, it's just, this guy was an icon for our sport. Um, and he, he arguably created our opportunities for this. And when you talk about talking about our game versus just narrating it as it happens, that guy painted pictures and, did it gracefully for decades and he's definitely going to be missed. Yeah. I mean, echoing that it's, it's something if you've been a baseball fan, he is one of the people that if you were not specifically, you know, player coach on the field, but you know who he was, you know, the impact he had on the community, the game, you know, all the people he came in touch with. Again, talk about someone that positively affected people. He was one of those people. And that was that was someone that the game of baseball is in debt to and everyone that had a chance to get to meet him. And um, he had a great life and, and very thankful for all the memories that he gave us and, and a lot of other people. Yeah, I think for me, the, 
the one of my favorite things about Vin Scully and guys like Vin Scully. There there aren't anybody like there there's nobody like Vin Scully is what I'm trying to say, but for for individuals that you can associate a franchise with for me it's it's the person that when you hear their voice you immediately think of of this thing or that thing or that team and for Vin Scully the second you flip that the second the mic gets flipped on and you hear it's time for Dodger baseball like you just think Dodgers and not everyone can do that like the like I said it's few and far between the the types of people that are able to cement themselves in in an organization or a business or a company or a, a franchise such as this. And the fact that he did it and did it for so long, like you guys said, I mean, it's just incredible. And he will, he will certainly be missed. And uh, baseball certainly... Uh, is is not better off without Vin Scully. Um, he'll be sorely missed, and I think, um, I think he is very much uh, going to get the respect that he deserves and the 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 attention and love um, from not only Dodgers fans but baseball fans all over the world. So. How many broadcasters get players starstruck? How many broadcasters get players excited to meet them? Like that's, like you said, one and only, never again. Vince Kelly's the man. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. It's only fitting that we forego our sign-offs and leave it for Vince Kelly. You know, friends, so many people have wished me congratulations on a 67-year career in baseball, and they've wished me a wonderful retirement with my family. And now all I can do is tell you what I wish for you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. For every problem life seems a faithful friend to share, for every sigh a sweet song and an answer for each prayer. You and I have been friends for a long time, but I know in my heart that I've always needed you more than you've ever needed me. And I'll miss our time together more than I can say. But you know what? There will be a new day and eventually a new year. And when the upcoming winter gives way to spring, oh, rest assured, once again, it will be time for Dodger baseball. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be.